Welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of normal, everyday children's ministers. We all started in the trenches. Welcome to the Children's Ministry Monthly Podcast. My name is James, and I'm the Children's Pastor at Sheffield Family Life Center. Uh, Hello, hello. This is Dave, and I'm the Children's Pastor at Christ Chapel in Macon, Georgia. And this is, as we said, the Children's Ministry Monthly Podcast, focusing on the needs of normal, everyday children's ministers. You can check us out online at cmmonthly.com. You can email your tips, tricks, suggestions, and feedback to cmmonthly at gmail.com. Or give us a call on the Howl line at 206-350-HOWL. So, do we need like a, a noise to go with that? Can you like do a howl? Arr! Arr! Okay. okay. My wife has just started coaching upward soccer and it's, they've, they've created a, it's a kindergarten club uh, age group and so it's, and it's all boys. So uh-huh. it's, a team, it's a team noise, not a team cheer. Oh, wow. Because boys don't cheer, you know. No, they don't. They're all about the the howl, and it's a howl. It's a dog bark, so yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Well, um, before we get into our monthly topic, we are talking about discipline this month. Um, Dave, what's been going on? Give us a little update. What's been going on in your ministry this month? Wow, we've had a bunch of stuff happen. That's what I hear. Stuff's a good word for it. Well, uh, just to give you a few examples, um, three weeks ago we had a – a really interesting service, pretty much on every campus. Um, currently, we're in, on two campuses, uh, getting ready to start two more. But on the um, the main campus in Macon, um, for some reason, mom and dad decided to leave a loaded pistol in the diaper bag of their two-year-old daughter. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and so our nursery uh, volunteers found that as they were checking the kids out. We're very safety and security-minded, and um, you try to plan for everything, but you really don't plan on a two-year-old having a gun in their diaper bag. So it was uh, quite a shock, needless to say, <laughs> to uh, hand over the gun and the diaper bag and the kid at the same time and have to tell mom and dad, hey, you know, if you're going to come back, the gun can't come back. Uh-huh. So and their whole rationale was, oh, we're, we're gun people, and we just forgot and left it in the bag. And Wow. Um, their comment was, you were – Physically and spiritually protected this morning, and so I was I was kind of blown away. No uh, pun intended, huh? By that, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, that was at the main campus in Macon. Um, uh-huh. At at our uh, campus church, right down the road. Uh, you know, we we are a Pentecostal church, and um, you know, we just we make no bones about it. But we are not a snake handling church. Let me just go ahead and say that. Right, However, which is why I don't go there anymore. I gotta, However, have, I gotta have my snakes. <laughs> well, if you would have been at our other campus, you would have. There Uh-oh. was a baby snake uh, crawled in somewhere and got in the congregation um, right in the middle of the preaching. And uh, we had this good old country girl reach down and uh, she picked it up off the floor, carried it out, and it wow. latched onto her latched onto her finger. No, as, yes, as she's walking out, you know, so she's bleeding. And luckily, it was just like a black snake, but. Uh. Um, that was that was kind of freaky, dude. Um, I, I don't even want to say what would go down if that snake ended up in the middle of my church service. <laughs> yes, uh, well, it, nobody knew about it because she was so calm about it. It was great, you know. Uh, she she kind of a, 
avoided a big catastrophe there. Yeah. Uh, well, in in our children's service at the main campus, the same day, had a kid, a ranger kid, Roy Ranger kid, bring in a homemade bow and arrow. And uh, I just happened to round the corner as he's pulling it back. Luckily, mm. there was no kids in front of him. Um, and I was able to basically, you know, I yelled at him, not too loud that it would scare him and right. make him release the arrow. <laughs> but it's like, dude! <laughs> I can just see that because, you know, he'd be startled. He'd turn in the direction of the voice and yes. release at the same time, and then you would be dead uh, or at least it. pierced. No more podcasts. Depending on how good, you know, his his uh, his at-home arrow-making was. but uh, Yes, and it was fantastic. You know, he, he's, he's on track for the gold medal of achievement. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we had a, uh, a little boy – He's actually one of our pastor's sons, and um, it was time for offering, and he's in junior jam, so that means he's either four or five or six years old, not yet in kindergarten, and um, he he pulls out five bucks, and he's going to put that in the offering, and I'm like, okay, I you know I wanted to check, because not only did he have five dollars, he had a wad of cash, and I'm like, okay, dude, you know, where'd, where'd you get this money? He says, I, I found it. You know, my mom gave it to me. He had two or three different answers, and that was enough to, to get my dander up, so... Um, I took the money and uh, or, or just went by and told his mom, you know, he's got he's got money. He's he's four. Right. He's got more money than I do. He's got more money than you got. Anyway, <laughs> so she goes in, in there and pulls the money out of his pocket. Homeboy's got like 95 bucks in his oh pocket. This four or five year old. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I found it under my daddy's bed. And <laughs> so, you know, the mom was like, okay. He's in trouble, and my husband's in trouble because oh, you know no. my husband's stashing money, and I didn't yeah. know about it. And you know yeah. the women have to know about the stashing; they have to keep track of the tab. And um, I understand well, they would like to, but we we have to have a stash somewhere. Well, yeah, but I have a change bowl. I don't have like a a, a <laughs> sock under my bed. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but um, in a in a more ministry thing, we've got. Uh, uh, you know, obviously we're creeping up on another quarter and, and you know, had some uh, workers come and go and different things like that. Um, and we're, we're still charging ahead on our check-in procedure. It's going really well on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And we're, we're about to uh, launch out uh, on the, in the big show, I call it, on Sunday mornings with that. It's basically a, a computer-based, you know, check-in system that we built. Uh, from the ground up, a, a, a programmer put that together for us, and it, after a year and a half, it's finally done, and cool. uh, so that's going really good. And then uh, I'm I'm playing around with doing uh, audio devotions for my families during the week and setting up a blog uh, at jamcitykc.com so that I can communicate with my parents and and just get them the information they need uh, directly. Um, you know, we can spam the big service, but I, I come from a pretty big church and, you know, most of the people have kids, but you know, why, why dilute the message? And, you know, I'll still continue to use the main service, but when I'm, when I figure through this blog and through these audio, uh, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, devotion podcasts, I could, I can speak directly to those families in, in real time. And then, uh, so the the deal would be that I would give out five uh, devotions per week, um, you know, Monday through Friday, and they all focus on the theme mm-hmm. that we used Sunday morning. And uh, since three of uh, at least three of our ministries use synchronized curriculum, meaning we focus on the same Bible story, same memory verse, and just teach it from different 
angles, uh, most of my children would have learned that you know lesson and be able right. to track with that. So my heart's basically just to get uh, get my parents that don't do devotions. Um, to begin to start, you know, thinking about doing that and just give them the tools to do it. I know in my own family, with my own daughter, she's only two and a half, and I'm already thinking, you know, how do I weave God, you know, into her life and, right. and not in a way that's going to run her off. You know, most PKs, you know, a lot of them, they just get sick of it all, you know, by the time they're old enough. And so how do I, how do I present it to her and help her yes. to make, you know, her own decisions about it? And outside of praying, you know, and her parroting back prayers, you know, and things like that, I I don't know that, you know, we're doing that. I review her take-home papers with her and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the week she came home and, and was telling us that God made zoo animals, we took her to the zoo and, you know, that kind of thing. So we're doing our part. But, you know, if I'm asking questions and I'm a spiritual leader in my church, you know, how, how much more are, are uh, you know, lay people and, and just regular parents oh, yeah. asking how how do I – become the spiritual leader in my home. And so I just really wanted to provide that for him. So anyway, that's a long update, but uh, I'm really excited about it. It, We're going to start the first week of September, so just in a couple of weeks, and I want to get the word out to everybody. But we'll be doing it online for free, and then we'll be making CDs available probably for a buck each just to cover the cost, you know, of making them. I don't really want to make a profit. Uh, right, and then right. and, but, and I don't want to be taken advantage of either. You know, I don't want to be true. making six hundred of these suckers every week either. So, exactly, but I'm excited you know, but, about it. And talking about that, that that really is you know part of our job. You know, of course, it's mom and dad's job to take on the 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 reign, the spiritual reins of of teaching their kids. But um, we've got to do our part too. And I think that I, I've I've often thought, how could I do that? You know, what would be the best uh, medium or outlet? You know. That, that that I could use to, to reach the parents of my congregation. And I love that idea. I, I For me, I would be curious as to just how many would log in, you know, right. and, and listen. Um, thought about doing prayer devotional cards that they could take home for the week, mm-hmm. uh, be five days worth, exactly what you're talking about, but just based on what we learned that week and, and five prayers that would go along or five mini devotions that they could do with their kids at cool. bedtime. Cool. Um, but then, I'm, you know, you, you kind of struggle with, well, am I just going to do this and nobody's going to listen to it? Or right. am I just going to be spinning my wheels? But I think we still have to take that approach. I love that idea. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that since they're audio, you know, folks, and, and my target audience is people that don't have time or haven't made time for it. And so I don't have a problem with them doing this in the car, you know, on the way to school or, yeah. you know, anytime on the way to a football game or on the way to the store. Um and and I encourage people in the pod in in the audio to you know if you want to you know use this track, but you can also just listen to it yourself and then retell it and just use it you know in your own existing family devotionals because uh, even folks that are doing them aren't necessarily you know uh, uh, reaffirming or, or backing up what we talked about on Sunday and I know they'd love to so I'm I don't know I'm looking forward to it I I think it's uh, I think it'll be popular with the parents that care. And I hope it'll pull in a few parents that just haven't thought about it or didn't know how to do it, so they didn't bother. Right. And, uh, and we'll see. That's good. We'll yeah. See. And keep and, me up. Keep us updated on. Yeah, that I goes. will. I, yeah. I I can tell you now that it's not taking as much time as I thought it would. I sat down yesterday, and in the span of just one hour, I had written and recorded all five uh, of those. 
And, wow. uh, and that was just the first time I did it. So I know it'll get faster because there's a lot of preliminary stuff you have to do. But, um, if, if, if those of you listening to this would like to see a sample of that, I'm sure by the time this comes out and you've heard it, you can go to jamcitykc.com and, uh, download a sample. And, uh, I'm recording it all as, at one, as one track, five different parts. Because uh, I figure podcasts, you know, you can pause them and start them over right where you left off. But our CDs will be, uh, you know, separated by tracks and things like that to help people in the minivans out. So now let me ask you something. You, James has all the technical technology stuff on his end. I'm, I'm patched in over the Internet. <laughs> so I really don't have the slightest idea how we do this podcast. I'm just a participant. Um, but I would love to know how. Um, okay. What do you think about putting on the website maybe some resources, maybe some free software people can download to be able to yeah. mix their own stuff and yeah. maybe do stuff like that on I'll, their own? I'll put a post together and, and put it up there. I uh, I know I do I do several podcasts, and uh, um, I'm always asked, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? And it's uh, some of it's really simple, and some of it's a little bit more advanced. But yeah, I, I could uh, thank you for creating work for me there, Dave. You're welcome. You know that's you my know, job. I'd really like to know your uh, opinion on uh, Daniel and Revelation. So if you could just write up a thesis <laughs> and put that on the website, I'm sure people really want to know. And then I want you to break it down so we could teach it to preschoolers. Okay, that sounds great. So you there know. you go. I'm such a giver, and, and there you go. <laughs> So uh, we're talking about discipline this week, and Are we? uh, yeah, yeah. What's the first? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of discipline, Dave? Matthew Burns. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we shouldn't mention names, should we? No, no. Oh, okay. I've got a few names I could list list too, <laughs> and they all end with a C. But yeah, I, I'm not uh, going to mention the family. But anyway. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> First thing that pops to mind. Okay, a, a, a pool noodle with a three-quarter inch PVC pipe in the middle of it. You can beat them all day long and it won't leave a bruise. Wow. Yeah. Is that what I'm you joking. really do? I'm joking. No, totally joking. <laughs> <laughs> but it got some people thinking, didn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah. got me worried. It's like, First. <laughs> uh, what was the name of your church again? I want to avoid it at all costs. Yes, we love your children to death. It's <laughs> our new slogan. Well, a lot of people, when they think of discipline, they think of spankings, you know, and and mean people coming down on kids and hollering at them and and, uh, or you think of the military and being, you know, held by a certain standard and and you think of structure and you think of all these things. So before we talk about discipline from a biblical perspective, especially as it pertains to our kids, I just wanted to help redefine what discipline is. I think I mentioned in the last podcast that I see discipline and discipling um, interchangeable as the same word. Uh, I actually will combine them most of the time and call them discipline. And uh, and it's really funny and cute when you do that. Um, right. No, it's not really. Uh, but yes. uh, I want to talk a little bit about our roles as children's minister because – in order to be able to discipline kids properly, you've got to see yourself as God sees you and, and where you fit. Um, we are the pipeline or the conduit through which God ministers to these kids. Uh, we're not the primary. It's supposed to be the parents. But we are, in many ways, any of us, whether you're parents, leaders, pastors, you are a representative of God. And they can't see God himself, but they're going to see uh, God through you. 
And so it's very important that we properly train them because in many ways their view of God is going to be either tainted or or you know enhanced in some way by how they see us. Right. Um, so we're shaking. Feel- Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. I just I was just going to say I'm, I'm we're sitting here talking about discipline and this is probably the one area that I of course I dislike the most because nobody wants to have to discipline right. um, especially someone who's not your kid. But um, I, I just it's really. I think a lot of children's pastors and, and just everyone in general struggles with proper discipline and, you know, when and how, you know, and, and you know, we've all tried things that didn't work, you right. know, um, you know, straighten up or I'll send you to big church, you know, well, they go to big church for a couple of weeks with mom and dad, then they end up coming back and doing the same things that they were doing before. Right. And we're going to so, we're going to touch on a lot of that, the um, the hows and the whys and, and when to step in. But the, the, the important thing for us to realize is that all discipline anymore has to be based in relationship. Right. Um, you, can, you can try to discipline a kid that you don't know, and you're going to have to pull out you know, every trick in the book. Or you can discipline a kid that you do know, and, and that would just mean looking at them funny from across the room. And because you've invested time with that kid because they care what you think about them – just that little look is going to have, you know, a hundred times more impact than, you know, you're going to have if you don't know that kid. Matter of fact, we have a basic rule in our children's department. If you don't know their name, then you don't have the right to get onto them. And Oh, that's good. Yeah, even to the point that if you see a kid messing up and you don't know them, go find someone that does and have them do it because, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be better and they're going to know that you love them in spite of the fact that you're having to get on to him. So our role as children's ministers is to be an example of what God is. And God um, oftentimes will punish us because punishment will keep us from the true, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? The repercussions of our sin. So uh, the first thing though, now that we know that discipline is the foundation, we need to talk about what discipline is because most people hate the word because they were punished or even abused under the banner of discipline, right. and uh, we don't want to do that to our kids. So let's let's redefine discipline the way it's supposed to have been all along. See, because most people confuse the word discipline with the word punishment, and punishment says you are wrong. Abuse says you deserved what you got, but discipline always says you can do it better. And I'm going to help you. See the okay. difference there. Big difference. Well, and, and, you know, we typically will try to discipline kids the way we've been disciplined ourselves. And that's, or we won't discipline at all because we don't want to even accidentally do what's been done to us. Um, I mean, all of us that, I mean, were you raised up in church, Dave? Yes, from day one. So you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you, you've probably experienced the, the range of, of, you know, all the possibilities of what workers and, and volunteers can do to you. Yes, and w- end up going to Christian school where they they definitely believed in spanking. Wow! And uh, got my f- fair share of spankings uh, <laughs> on a weekly basis. Those days are gone, aren't they? Thank the Lord. Uh, so uh, let's. If re- I'm gonna, I don't want anybody spanking my kids but me. No, so we'll just I, throw I'm, that out. There. I'm there too. I'm there too. I do have. 
permission from several parents at my church, oh, believe yeah. it or not, but I never, like, ever would do it. But the kids don't need to know that. You know? Exactly. As long as they think you can, you have power. <laughs> um, let's uh, let, let's let's redefine discipline, though, because we've talked about what it's not and a little bit of what it is. Um there there's there's several different versions and you guys you know tell me which one you think is right one is to punish in order to gain control or enforce obedience another one is punishment intended to correct or train um i'd say another one would be to teach to obey rules or accept authority um Training expected to produce specific character or patterns of behavior, especially training that produces moral mental improvement, or to train by instruction and practice, especially to teach self-control to. Um, that's that's those are the definitions that the that the um, that the dictionary would have for you. Okay. But when I look through and I look at God's definition, it's a little different. Um, if we think from God's perspective. Uh, you know, there's there's the right way and the wrong way to do everything. The right way typically uh, sends you closer to God and and closer to the rewards and ultimately to eternal life. Whereas doing the wrong things leads to consequences, um, separation from God, and ultimately to you know eternal death. Okay, that's the big picture. Um, right. God's goal is always to love and teach us um, and and draw us into a relationship with Him. Um, but he is that's on the that's on the positive side he he draws all men unto him uh but on the negative side god has set up every sin to hurt us you know and 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 then he set up every bit of obedience to reward us so discipline at its core is the pain that causes us to fear death in the big picture not in the children's ministry world but discipline i mean an example is um you know when you put your hand over a candle God has set up the world to where that candle is going to burn the smack out of you before your entire hand burns off. Right. And so that pain, though it hurts, it's a good thing. Yes. It, it, it's actually mercy, if you think of it that way. And, and so... Um, it's training. Exactly. Exactly. Because um, you're not going to do that again. I, absolutely. Because it burnt the smack out of your hand. <laughs> but but that in that in that way that's mercy because it's trained you not to do something that is that is going to hurt you. Um, if we take that into the kid world, shots hurt, but they're good for us. Um, but are we hating our kids when we hold them down to get their shots? No, no. absolutely not. It it stinks. It, we yes. hate that it hurts. But are we hating them when the, we force them to go through that pain? No, absolutely not. Um, and later on, they'll realize that a lot of discipline is going to be that same way. But the requirements of our definition, if we're going to um, have discipline that follows up with that concept, that discipline at its core is the pain that causes us to fear death, um, and we're the pipeline, we're the middleman, um, then we've got to be able to connect with them through relationship, mutual respect, and trust. Um, we've got to have an open mind and an open heart toward them. We have to be an example. Um, we have to love them and we have to be in the right position, meaning we have to be the boss. I mean, we are, we're not their friend, uh, though we are, that's a part of it. We are, uh, their mentor and their pastor and their leader. Anyway, um, our relationship with God is that way, by the way. So my definition here it is, it's taken me 15 minutes to get there. 
but our discipline, our, our definition of discipline is our providing a relationship of love that will allow us to show them the consequences of sin and the benefits of obedience. So let me say that again. The discipline is our providing a relationship of love that allows them, us to show them the consequences of sin and the benefits of obedience. That's the basis. That is a biblical view of what discipline is. It is not all punishment, and it's not all the New Age reward side either. Um, a lot of people, Dave, would go one way or the other. They, they, they are all negative, all, you know, I'm just going to punish you for doing wrong. And then there's the other kind of person that just rewards them for doing right. Um, we did a, uh, an object lesson one time in a training session. Uh, you've ever, have you ever played the uh, game where you hide something in the room and you have the kids go around and you say, hot, hot, you're hot, you're hot, you're yes. getting hot, burning yes. up, burning up, you know, but then when they move away, what do you say? You say cold, colder, ice cold, you know, all this kind of stuff. We, right. we played that game only able to say one half of that. We started with you're hot, you're hot, you're hot. And mm-hmm. so they, they never could find the object. And then we tried it the other way. We just said when they were far away from it and uh, when they were doing it wrong, and they still couldn't find it. It was only when we started doing hot and cold, almost immediately they were able to find the item hidden in the room because we gave them, we told them when they were doing wrong, right? and we told them when they were doing right. And that's why kids need a balance of both. And I've got a, a perfect example of that, and and I think we can all look out in our our little mini congregations and 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 look at the kids who uh, Johnny may be messing up and poking his friends, you know, and, and a lot of times all it takes is a look for one kid uh, to straighten up because you know their parents may lean really strongly on you know the punishment end of the scale. Um, you talk about the differences between punishment and reward. Yeah. And we, I have another kid who will, about every 30 minutes, uh, go up to one of our, our leaders in, in Kid Zone and say, you need to reward me. You need to give me something because I've been being good. Wow. And, and this is almost every week. You know, so you saying that really rung a bell with me because, you know, I've seen it firsthand, both ends of it. And, you know, it's... Just, I think balance. I think exactly. parents have a hard time finding the balance, yep. and and we as children's ministers do too. It's hard to know where the balance is. You know, what's what's going to work for one kid's totally not going to work for the other. Right. And um, I think, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but I I think that we basically uh, we need to find a kid's currency or uh, speak their language. Basically, um, and if I am jumping ahead, sorry, but no, no, no. Okay, no, you're right Finding, on. Okay, because uh, what my my basic premise is, I'm not going to give specifics on how to do discipline. I'm going to give I'm going to give our listeners the theories and the ideas because I don't care if your kid's special needs, if they are not, if they are are typical, um, if they come from a reward based structure or whatever. We you know, children's ministry, we deal with every different kind of family you can imagine, every different type of structure, every different type of discipline. Um, but kids all respond to the basics of reward and punishment. My goal though is to, no matter what those kids come from, that at least at service we provide that balance, and we provide an example of what God gives us. Um, God rewards us when we earnestly seek Him, and we are punished and have consequences when we sin. 
And honestly, what we're doing when we provide a balanced breakfast, so to speak, uh, or the the balanced kids' currency, as you said it, we're 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 almost like in an in an aquarium versus the entire world, and we're in a little sheltered environment where we have an opportunity to teach them um, to stay away from sin, you know, through a timeout or a conversation or you know writing writing lines or whatever you do or uh, teaching them the benefits of obedience and by giving them a prize or a quiet seat prize or letting them play a game or giving a positive uh, message to the parents. Um, so my goal here is to pr- help you to uh, provide that balance. I mean, you know, how many, ki- how many of us children's pastors are guilty of only knowing or not only knowing, but knowing the bad kids' names first? Definitely. You know? Within the first week or two of yeah, them showing up. exactly. Yep. We know their first and last names. We know their parents. But how many of the quiet kids do we know? You know, are right. their names going to come up as easily? And then take that to the next step. How many times have I talked to the quote-unquote bad kids' parents versus that quiet kids' folks? And then when that one kid is good, am I as quick to brag on him to his parents as exactly. I was? when that and Positive that, reinforcement. Exactly. And that's that balance because – Kids live, they will grow to your expectations of them. And especially our ADD and ADHD kids, they've, they've been tagged by every single place in their home, in their school, in their after school activities. They've been told again and again that they have problems and that they need to calm down or that they're being bad. And here we have an opportunity to help to train them because even those kids are going to respond to the basics of rewards and consequences. But if you overdo it in any one of those two and don't keep that balance, yeah, then you're going to get kids that aren't going to be good unless they're rewarded. And, you know, or they're going to exactly. be bad because the only attention they get is when they're bad. Exactly. And consistency is the key there. You know, you have to be consistent every week, week in and week out. You exactly. know, if you're re- having to reward one kid, all the time to you know to elicit proper behavior. Well, the other kids in your in your uh, congregation are, are going to start to get jealous and and even start a little mini rebellion against you. Well, if you know he's he's only say if you have a junior leader program like I do, and you have a fourth grader who is so ADHD, and you know that what will work with him is giving him responsibility. Right. But my junior leader program is only open to sixth graders mm. or fifth graders. You know. You, you really have to be able to justify why this kid got rewarded by being placed in this program because you know we know that that that's going to work for him right. you know give him just a little bit of responsibility uh, create the illusion of power in their minds right and um, their behavior is just going to turn around 100 percent so but whatever we do we have to be consistent in, yeah. in how we do it and here's the kind of Here's kind of the rule that I have um, at church, and uh, basically the rule is this is my house. These are my rules. Um, so basically what that means, it means a lot of things. Um, give you an example. I heard a kid backtalking his mama uh, during pickup time and, I mean, being just really disrespectful, mm. and she was taking it. You know, she she just I don't know if she was kind of avoiding the issue or wait until they got home to deal with it. I just happened to be an earshot. I mean, and before I could even think about it, I spun around on my heels and I, I, I got down on my knees in front of him gently and, and just got real close to him. And I said, I don't ever want to hear you talk to your mom like that. I said, yep. we just and we just had talked about respecting authority. Wow. So it was a great teachable moment for this kid and for the parent, you know, and so I'm talking to the kid in love. 
um, there was no anger in my voice at all. But it was just, I think, God opening a door for that mom to see that, you know, if you will do this with your kid, it will work. You know, um, he apologized to me immediately. He apologized to his mom. And and I kind of stood up not knowing really how mom's going to take this, me getting onto her son for back talking her in church. And she said, thank you so much. We're just dealing with uh, rebellion right now and discipline. And I don't know how to, I just don't know how to handle it. And I told her, I said, I said, well, you've got to hold him accountable. Every time he does it, you you can't let one time slide. Exactly. You know, he, he's waiting, you know, he's pushing your buttons and he's pushing your limits. And all of our kids know where the line is. And mm-hmm. most of them are going to walk right up to it every time right um so i haven't seen any vast improvements yet this has just been a few weeks ago but um you know we've all got to start somewhere right you know and hopefully hopefully mom has taken to heart kind of what we did that sunday morning and we'll see well unfortunately what i've learned is is i can make a kid behave in my church but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going home the only exactly. the only time I've ever seen behavior training work outside in other situations is when it starts at the home. Um, yep. If you teach them to be good at home, they'll be good at school. They'll be good at church. And uh, but let's talk about. A, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say I've got a nephew. Uh, he's he's grown now, but when he would stay with his mom and dad, he was just a terror. Mm-hmm. You know, just real rebellious. And he's he was like five or six. But when he would come to visit his aunt and uncle, you know, we, we had a, a specific set of rules, you know, we loved him to death and just wanted to, you know, him to have a great time, but he knew he couldn't get away with, you know, even half the things he got away with at mom and dad's house. Well, whether they know um, it or not, kids desire discipline. They really, really, really do. And here's an example of why or how I know that to be true. How come a kid who wouldn't sit still in his chair, so you put him in timeout, will sit still? Right. I used that used to blow my mind. Why why yeah. couldn't he sit still? But he got in trouble, so he's been forced to sit still. But he'll sit still for time out. It not only proves that it's possible for him to do it, but that he somewhere in there has a desire to be corrected and to be shown the right way. Hello there, podcast people. This is Dave in Macon, Georgia wanted to give you guys a tip on how we keep track of points during our kids' services. We found that the point system is, has been the most effective way to uh, reinforce positive behavior and uh, and, and basically to keep track of, of which team is, is doing the better job of participating and behaving during uh, each week's service. Basically how I do this is I have uh, a bunch of small foam footballs. Now anything will work from those uh, ball pit balls or anything of that nature, something soft that's not going to hurt a kid, and you'll find out why in just a second. So what I've done is I, I give each football a point system, a point value, and, and each ball is worth 10,000 points. Now what I'll do is if I catch your team behaving or, or obeying the rules or really, your team really did a good job in worshiping, everyone stood up and did what they were supposed to do, I'll toss a football to your team somewhere in the crowd. Now your team at that point, the person that catches that ball, will have five seconds to toss that football up to their team captain. The team captain is sitting at the front row, kind of off to the side. And basically the job of the team captain is to lead your team in, in good behavior and participation. And if you're 
if your team can get that football to the team captain within five seconds, then I'll toss a bonus football out to your team, which is worth an additional 10,000 points. Um, and basically what that does is it, it keeps those boys mostly that, that want to hang on to the football and play with it during service. It, it keeps them from doing that because they know they've only got five seconds to get it tossed up to their friend. And what it also does is it makes sure that they're watching what's going on on stage. I've had a few kids hit in the head with one of these footballs. That's why it's important that they're soft. Um, but but what that has done has been a positive thing, and it makes sure that, that the team is, is looking forward, uh, basically where you want them to look, what's going on at the front of the room, and not what their friends are doing behind them. Um, and I guess it goes without saying, the team with the most points at the end of service will win, and we uh, we award the trophy of spam. And basically that that is just a, a trophy that I hijacked from the trophy case at the church and bought a bunch of cans of spam, glued them together, and, and made this cool-looking trophy out of it. Something pretty simple and crazy, but the kids love it. And also the team that wins the most points at the end of Kids Zone we'll get the better prize. So I hope that helps, and I'm really curious as to how you uh, keep track of your point system. So don't forget to either email us or call in and let us know how you do it. We'd love to know. Talk to you later. There's a lot of reasons why we don't discipline, and I wanted to hit on some of those. A lot of us have convictions and reasons and rationalizations for not doing it, and I want to put them through that mesh uh, of the, our definition of discipline that we got out of the Word of God. Um, first of all, some people say we want our kids to feel loved. And um, I think we've already shown that love isn't enough to provide discipline. It's only the first step. That first step was providing a relationship of love so that we can da 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 That'd be like, you know, having a having an event at your church without somehow presenting the gospel. Um, it's only right. we, we, we do the, the party and the sleepover so that we can have an opportunity to preach to our kids. But if we never did it, it's kind of a pointless thing. It's just as much as like an event at school. Uh, yes. Another excuse is people say uh, we want to feel loved by them, that you want to be their friend. Um, but the problem with that is it's very selfish. Because we're not here for ourselves. Um, our gratitude that we get from the kids and the love comes from um, the one we work for. And um, and it'll also come from a properly disciplined child. But kids that you don't discipline, kids you try to be friends with, they're going to see you on their level. And I heard it said one time, kids don't want someone to be like them. They want someone to be like Right, and so it's very, good. it's very, yeah, it's very important not to let that be a, uh, you know, because kids are not going to respect you if you try to kiss up to them. It's just not human nature. Another reason that we uh, don't discipline is we don't want to, re- we think we don't want to ruin our relationship with them. Uh, we think that if we discipline them, they they will run away from us, and uh, a relationship that doesn't position you as the leader. And isn't based on mutual respect where the child is uh, able to receive correction from you is not a relationship worth keeping alive anyway. So you shouldn't worry about that at all. Um, matter of fact, if you have a relationship with a kid that um, they don't respect you, kill it and then start over because, right. you know, you need to you need to just reset and, and put yourself in a position of respect. Um, another one, a big one I hear is people say 
they feel like the kids get enough of this everywhere else and they don't need it at church. And um, I couldn't disagree with that more because in many cases, there is nowhere else that they're going to have an example of godly discipline anywhere. Not, you know, some of them at, not at home and especially not at school where the point is just to keep kids shut up long enough to teach them something. Um, right. So, you know, that's why I... I know a lot of children's pastors and stuff separate boys and girls, and and it's especially good for teams, but we don't do that in my children's church. And my my logic for that is it's the only place that we do divide them on boys and girls is at church. And that's a shame because it's the only place where we're going to be able to teach them how how to treat women as godly women and how to treat you know how to treat our young men. It's the only place, the last place that we divide kids on on gender, and yet it's the only time that we could be teaching them how to do it. God, you know, how to relate with each other um, in godliness. I mean, and we wonder why in youth group when suddenly they're sitting together, uh, half of them turn up pregnant. You know, because we've kept them separated all the way up until then. Um, so anyway, I don't I don't separate on on gender for that very reason. Um, and then, and then lastly, we don't want to run off our kids. And I've, we've already mentioned kids are attracted to being trained properly. And, and again, I keep saying discipline, and I feel like there's still going to be people out there putting in their definition of discipline. And so, you know, every time I say discipline, I want you to mentally replace that with discipling. And every child has a natural desire to be discipled, to be disciplined. Um, <clears throat> so here, here are just a list of common struggles that we have. Uh, and the reasons we don't discipline, we don't have basic expectations and standards for our kids. A lot of times we're getting on to our kids and they didn't even know the rules. Uh, we expect right. kids to obey because of our position. Um, you know, I, I hope I never have to say because I'm the dad, you know, or I'm the pastor. You have to listen to me because I'm older than you. Um, we don't discipline consistently. We only do it when we're in a certain mood or when we have enough time. Um, we don't have a consequence structure, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and then we, if we do have rules and regs, uh, leaders and kids may not be familiar with them. I know that I found that even though I know the rules and I'm enforcing them, do my leaders know? How many times am I having to stop my service because I've got an adult sitting right next to the kid that I'm about to get onto, but because that leader didn't know the expectations, they didn't deal with it. You know? Exactly. Um, yep. So anyway, minimum requirements. I, I don't expect perfection in my children's church. I, but I feel like a lot of people wonder, when do I step in? At one point, do I discipline? Especially if you happen to be an old school person that you feel like, okay, I'm overdoing it. I'm, I'm getting onto kids way too much. I'm only getting, or, or they're making me angry. And so I don't want to do anything. Uh, for those folks, I would suggest the concept of minimum requirements. Write down on a piece of paper, what is the minimum that you expect from every single student, no matter what? In my, in my church, here's my list, my examples. Uh, during worship, you don't have to sing. You don't even have to enjoy worship. But I do need you to stand. So that's one minimum requirement. You have to stand during worship. If you have two working feet, you are standing. And if you're not talking to God, please don't talk. Right. Those are my that's two good. minimum requirements. I have been in a church service where I didn't feel like worshiping. And so if I am as an adult have these feelings and I, you know, sometimes you get over them, but sometimes you just don't. Sometimes you're just doing good to be there. Um, I'm not going to force my kids to worship ever, 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 because worship that's being forced isn't real worship anyway. 
Um, and I don't want to burn them out. That's just my experience. Um, uh, uh, here's another one. During opening and closing ceremony, my minimum requirements is that you need to sit up, you need to face forward, and no talking. During class, if there's ever a class situation, uh, you don't have to read. You don't have to talk. You don't have to pray out loud. You know, nobody's ever going to make you do any of those things. But you do need to stay in your seat and you need to keep your hands and your attitude, if you have one, to yourself. So That's good. those are my minimum requirements. Um, and then we have situations where we're doing class rotations. So I have a different set of minimum requirements for that. You don't have to participate in the class rotations. If you're having a bad day, if you're having a, a, a an attack or a spell or any of those kinds of things, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but you do have to stay with your group as they move without interfering or hindering the move. Um, so, you know, sometimes teams will decide they want to do cheers as they're going between classes. Some of my older kids may not want to, and that's fine. I'm not going to punish them for not participating, but I will punish them if they do something to stop, you know, the, the movement from one class to the other. And so what do these minimum requirements do? Well, for those of us that tend to over-discipline, and I'm one of those people, I know that anything that steps below my minimum requirements is something I need to correct. Instantly. And I don't have to rely on my temperament. I don't have to rely on my own code of ethics or anything like that. All I, all I have to do is if, if something falls below those minimum requirements, um, I know I need to correct it. For instance, in worship, again, it's a very simple requirement. So if my kids are talking, they need mm-hmm. to get got onto. And that, that has nothing to do with how hardcore I am as a disciplinarian. Um, that's my minimum requirements, and they couldn't even do that. So I'm going to correct the fact that they're not standing, or I'm going to correct right. the fact that they uh, – but I'm not going to get on to them for not singing because, the, to me, that would be a little overkill. Um, right. Anyway. I have a lot of the same requirements, um, and we basically – to make it easier for the kids is um, – you talked about rules and regs, and but basically what I do is, at the beginning of our service, we we talk about the one rule in Kids Zone, and that's behave, um, and give them the definition of that. It's doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. Excellent. And you know, a lot of kids, yeah, that's it, kind of a broad statement, but it really narrows their thought process down. Is if I do what I'm supposed to be doing, when I'm supposed to be doing, and I give them an example. And, and of course, we make this fun and crazy, but the example is to, um, if we're, the people on stage, if we're being wild and crazy and silly, then it's their job to be wild and crazy and silly. It's the kid's job to be wild and crazy and silly. Um, so basically, if, if we're hooting and hollering and having a good time during game time or prize time or, or a fun object activity, and they're just sitting in their chair quietly, they're misbehaving. Right. Um, and, the other part of that is if, if on stage, if you should be quiet and still listening and learning, and some kid will always pipe in and say, not sleeping, because I had a kid fall asleep one Sunday. And it blew my mind that a kid would fall asleep <laughs> in one of my services. I've, I've <laughs> had it that happen. I'm on that, but yeah. Those poor but, kids that are on their medications, man, they can't stay awake <laughs> sometimes. I just let them sleep. Yeah, just let them sleep. But, uh, I mean, rules are, a long night. rules are important, and they've got to cover the basics of proper behavior. I mean, obviously, don't talk when you're not supposed to. Respect and don't hurt or maim others. <laughs> um, yes. Obey teachers. Yeah, yeah. Obey teachers, participate, and stay where you're supposed to. Um, I'll give you some examples, and, and just like you did, in my main service, um, I have, like, all my rules kind of rhyme. And so we review them every single week. 
And um, there, it goes kind of like this. There are times to be quiet, like stories or prayer. If I am not, if I am caught talking, my balloon won't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, actually, we've changed it since then. Uh, but these these are good. We do something called behavior balloons, where we have three balloons for each street. That's how we begin. the The challenge is to keep the, all of them till the end. Obeying the rules will keep them in place, but break them and pop, they'll be gone with no trace. Three balloons earn super cash and double prizes. Two, uh, two balloons earns one of each for each one of you. One balloon earns super cash, but nothing else I can find. And zero balloons gets you nothing, but that's your choice, not mine. And then we go through the rules, but. Um, we have we have basically the rules are be quiet when you're supposed to be quiet, be loud when you're supposed to be loud. Um, mm-hmm. If you brought anything with you to church that you weren't supposed to, make sure it's hidden. You know, the only things they need is a Bible yeah. and a point book. And then um, we talk about treating others better than they treat you. And then at the very end, we always tell them that Jam City's not fair, and that covers a multitude of sins because we try, but yeah. we don't always. No, he's failing. But you know that's not an an- that's not an all in all answer. Uh, hopefully, you you know will make your own rules uh, that fit with what you're doing. Um, you know, behavior uh, is it sounds awesome. Actually, I'm thinking about trying to steal some of your ideas there, uh, uh, Dave. But um, behavior is so broad. Um, I mean, I have to be pretty specific because, for instance, we do worship down front and we have a stage. And one of my one of my basic requirements is you've got to stay off the steps and stage. And so I had to weave that into my service because every kid, you know, they hear behave and they wouldn't necessarily know that getting on the steps would be bad. Um, right. So, uh, you know, whatever works for your kids. Obviously, your kids are smarter than mine. But <laughs> Well, it, it's market too. You know, you're inner city. Right. And I, I live on the north side of town. So we've got two completely different types of kids. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, this is James with your monthly tip, your practical down-to-earth tip to help you with children's ministries. You heard me in the podcast talking about behavior balloons, and that's just something that we took from outreach trucks that we saw in and around St. Louis and different areas like that. And we brought it into our church. That may or may not work for you, but I'd at least like to explain the basics of what they do. We've used them two different ways. One is to, if you're on a point system, you give each balloon a certain point value, 10,000 points, say. And you count those up for the kids. They get 30,000 points just for walking through the door. And every time they lose a balloon, they will lose 10,000 points. The benefit of behavior balloons, especially if you get small ones that are hand-sized, is you don't have to yell at the kids. You could be right in the middle of your sermon, turn around, pop a balloon for one team, and continue, and they get the message. It's a great way to not have to yell or even raise your voice or even verbally correct them and you can continue almost completely uninterrupted. We've also used clips, and we use these clips in junior church, but we've also used them on sunny nights where we meet, but then we rotate through four different classes. I found that behavior balloons weren't enough because it only worked when the kids were together. There was no way to maintain that discipline structure while kids are rotating through classes. So what we did is we applied the clip concept. Each leader has a book bag, a small book bag with the prizes already in them and three clips on that bag. And I use the clips during the upfront service. And then the leaders can use those clips as they're rotating through the classes. And the teams always have a running total of how many prizes that they're going to get at the end of service. I've tried different ways to get balloons attached. You can hook them to your set with tape 
but oftentimes the tape will come off. The easiest way to attach behavior balloons to your set or to, you know, to anything is with little tiny small hooks. If you get small tiny hooks and you screw them into your set or we use boxes that we could put the trophy on, um, you can actually just hook the tied off part of the balloon around that hook and you don't have to pierce the balloon you don't have to tape the balloon the balloon just hangs off the hook and i actually got that idea from a dart balloon game that i rented for one of our carnivals so those little tiny hooks is my tip of the month Um, let's talk about enforcement because the strength of rules is in their enforcement. No matter what your rules are, you've got to enforce them. Um, Romans 5.13b talks about um, sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Um, so where if you're not showing the kids what the rules are, first of all, um, they're not breaking rules. If they don't know what the expectations are, you can't punish them. Right. Um, and, and my example of that is if there's a stop sign and there's a cop sitting there, if you run the stop sign and he does not pull you over, there is no stop sign. And right. if he um, if he does pull you over, then you know uh, that there is there's a – well, no, let me say it this way. If there is no stop sign and you run it, then you didn't break the law. That's the way I wanted to say it. Um, but if there is a stop sign, um, you know to stop. And so basically, if you give the kids the rules, then they'll know what the expectations are. But even if you do have the rules, if the stop sign's there and they run the stop sign and you don't pull them over, then there may as well have never been a stop sign to begin with. The rules don't even matter if you you've just told the kids that it's okay for me to disobey you and the rules mean nothing. Let me give you a quick example. Um, there's a, a family that just came to our or- came to our church two years ago, uh, they were basically told not to come back or don't bring your kids back um, at the church they were attending prior wow. to ours because of the one kid who was just so uh, crazy. Um, nobody could control him. Nobody found his currency, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent the last two years trying to get in that kid's head and trying to connect with him and trying to speak his language and and uh, discipline him on the level that he's going to understand. And he's he's the biggest jo- uh, source, probably the biggest source of joy and frustration uh, of all the kids that I have because he is so super smart and talented. And but he basically wants to do what he wants to do. Mm. And uh, we it kind of came to a head this past Sunday and uh, found out he had disrespected another, uh, not even a kid's own leader, but just a random adult um, wow. who had gotten on to him for misbehaving. And so, and it got back to me quite by accident. You know, she, she had no idea who I was or, or who the kid was, and but we just happened to meet, and she was telling me about this crazy kid in kid zone and told me the circumstances and described him, and I thought, oh, that's, that's mm-hmm. the one. So... Um, and we probably all, as children's pastors, have kids like this in our ministry um, who it seems like nothing we've tried is working. And um, like I say, this past Sunday, I just uh, I approached him. I talked to him. I said, I won't use his name, but I said, I love you, and you know I love you. I said, everything that I've tried to do with you is not working, and I don't know where to go. You know, You know the rules. You know how you're supposed to act. 
we've talked about disrespect, yada, yada, yada. Um, his response to me is, you don't love me. You've never loved me. And he turned around and walked off mm-hmm. to his dad and ended up, they went to big church or something and I ended up pulling him. He was actually a part of my leader, junior leadership team, uh, kind of like what I was talking about before, you know, right. and trying to, to find the thing that works with him. And um, it's just, it's frustrating, you know, it's it's so frustrating knowing, and I know what he's doing is is he's playing me. Right. You know, he's 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 trying to do everything in his power. Well, he's trying to make you not love to him. Main, to maintain control. Well, and he's trying to make you not love him. Kids like that cannot yeah. handle the concept. They don't even know what the concept of unconditional love is, and they don't trust it. And what I'm, one thing I found is these kids will go absolutely nuts in an environment where there is unconditional love because they – are told they are hindered and glassed in and boxed in at home and at school. And so they'll come to church where you can't knock them upside the head and they don't know how to handle it and they will go off. I've got a whole family of kids and one of them's in fourth grade. I'll get rid of him next year. But I've had to systematically, same thing you talked about, just sit down with them one-on-one and basically create a customized discipline structure just for them. And um, matter of fact, right. in a moment, I, if you remind me, I'll tell I'll tell a story of one of them that you know nothing I did in church worked at all, and I and I was just at the point where I was almost going to ask him not to come back. It was a bus kid, and God yeah. really told me what to do with that. But in those situations, I have found the only thing I can do is is not burn bridges and invest in the big picture. I've got to love that kid despite what they can understand now, because one day they're going to grow up. And they're going to think back, and they're like, you know what? He was trying to love me. Yep. Oh, my goodness. And then, the minute they understand that, then all the stuff you invested is going to make sense. I mean, everything we do in children's ministry, I feel like a lot of people don't get involved because they know this truth, is everything we do is investment in the future, long-term investment. That's it. There's hardly, you know, there are those special kids, the eagles, you know, like we talked about. There are eagle kids that just come in and anything you do to them just enhances them and improves them. But a large majority of them, we're going to see, you know, long term, see if they stay in church after 18. Um, But we're, we're talking about enforcement. It's very hard with those kids. But when you have minimum requirements in place, anytime a child steps over that line, it needs to be uncomfortable for them. And whatever that means, I mean, in our discipline structure, our first time is a verbal warning. Second time is a timeout. Third time is a conference with the leader or the pastor if I'm available. Fourth time is is we get the parents involved. Fifth time, you spend a week out. And sixth time, you spend a month out. And that may seem kind of drastic after that, that parent step that we would kick them out of church for a week. But the reason we do that, first of all, we don't involve parents until step four, specifically because we are in the inner city, and our kids are very self-reliant. I mean, these kids walk to the store by themselves at young ages. They know how to take care of themselves. They usually set their own bedtimes, or at least many of them do. And so also, you know, a lot of our kids are special needs and high needs, and I don't want to bug that parent. The biggest gift I could give that kid, I mean, that parent is a chance to go in there and enjoy the service without dealing with their high-needs kid for just an hour or two. And so we try to work it out between the two of us before we go to the parent. And um, so that's why we wait. Uh, And and the other reason is we do, you know, have bus ministry, and I can't go run into the bus ministry's parents every week 
because eventually that bus parent parents just that bus kid parent is going to be like, oh, that's fine. I'll just keep him at home. Yep. And so I had to find a system that worked, um, despite the fact that I might not have the parent support. And so, um, and the reason why we go to step five the way we do, where they take a week off, is if I've talked to the parent and the behavior continues, then at that point I've got to move into disciplining the parent. And at that point, I know that that parent only sees us as babysitting. And so I'm going to take away the babysitting. And so that parent will step up and do what they're supposed to do, if only so I'll take their kid back again the next week. That's it. So any time a kid steps over the line, it's got to be uncomfortable for them. It's got to be consistent. And and I review the steps. You know, if if they come to me, I know that they've already been talked to once. Then after then they messed up again and they stepped out of line. They got put in timeout. And then I know they messed up yet again and they came and talked to me. So I'm not going to pat them on the head and tell them be good and send them back. I'm going to review the steps. I'm going to tell them next. If you can't straighten up, I'm going to get your mama out of service. And how do you think she's going to enjoy hearing from her pastor that her kid was acting crazy? Another thing that this does for you as a as a teacher is it doesn't make you sound crazy. Um, how many times have we, you know, had a kid drive us absolutely nuts doing something stupid like tapping a pencil, and mm-hmm. and they go, it just makes us crazy because they're totally disrespecting us. But then we don't want to tell the parent because we sound like we're insane. Toby was was tapping a pencil. I need you to beat him when he right. gets home. And the parents like he was tapping a pencil, and you're frazzled and freaked out. You're 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 crazy. I'm not coming. You back. need help. Yes. But if you have a discipline structure, then you can go to that parent and say, "Hey, your kid was tapping a pencil, and I told him to stop. He absolutely refused, and so I had to put him in timeout." And I put him in for eight minutes because I put him in for one minute per year that he's been alive. He went back to his chair, told me he would stop, but he didn't. He's still tapping his pencil. So I had to call Pastor James in and I talked to him or had him talk to the young man. And the young man, and he had a conversation. We told him we'd have to let you know, but he's still tapping his pencil. See, then mama's going to go home and and they're going to discipline the heck out of that kid because you just set a standard or you just laid out the progress of this kid. It wasn't just right. him tapping his pencil. He totally disrespected the leader, the pastor, didn't show any respect for the fact that we were going to tell the parents. And so there's a bigger issue there that's worth you um, coming on strong about to that parent. So, that's good. you know, this, this is this is for you, too. Um, so anyway, we've already talked about some of my consequences, so I don't need to go through that. But let's talk about rewards real quick. And what I found is, and you've probably done this too, uh, Dave, is there's group settings. And so we have group rewards for teams, but then you, you have individual quiet seat prize type rewards too. Do you do that? Not on an individual basis. Oh. No, we just, we do just for the whole, uh, the winning team at the end. We give, um, we give prizes at the end of service for, we have first and second place prizes and, um, the team A competes, and if team A beats team B, then they get the better candy or ah. whatever we're, we're giving away at the end of service. Um, we do. I've got great leaders in place who who practice positive reinforcement, especially on those um, problem kids. That we I hate to use the word problem kids, but right, uh, the ones that really jerk our chain yeah. and um, catch them doing something good. And uh, sitting quietly with their hands in their lap, you know, go and say, man, I saw that. That's great. You know, or so-and-so was kicking your chair and and all you did was turn around and 
and tell them to stop. You didn't try to smack them or something, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically how we do it. And okay. and yeah. Well, I found that with my little guys, especially my four, five, and six year olds, they couldn't understand the concept of teamwork. I just don't even think it's possible for them to think of themselves in the third person yet. And so what we do for them is each kid comes in and they get clips. They get little clips that we hook onto their clothes, their clothespins. And um, basically each clip transponds into – transponds, that's a good word – into uh, a prize. And if they have at least two clips at the end of service, they will get um, – they will get two prizes, two little candy prizes or, or whatever. And then if they only have one, they'll get one. And if they have none, then they don't get anything. And mm. that is something that each kid can immediately look at, whether they're four or five or six, and know, okay, I here's where I stand. I need to be good. They get, you know, that that third one's kind of a freebie. They can they can mess up one time and there's a little right. bit of grace built in, but they still don't like giving up their clips. Oh, right. they hate it. What type of clips do you use? Just just clothes pins. Regular, oh, close pins. regular clothes pins. We call them clips oh. for short. Um, but there's, you know, a specific set of rules that the kids have to obey in order to, um, you know, keep track of that. But in our, in our Sunday, you know, morning service with our elementary kids, we have, I mentioned it before, the behavior balloons. And those things are, um, are, and then we also have uh, a trophy of spam that we use that I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, I have one, yes. <laughs> well, in the past, we did what you, what you guys are talking about where, we we have five different groups, first through fifth street, we call them, and um, we always had a winning team, and that winning team would get double prizes, and everybody else would just get one prize. And then what I found over over a couple of years that what happened, if there was a team that was significantly ahead of the other teams, the other teams wouldn't try. And so I was, lo- you know, my they knew the one team was going to win, and so it didn't matter if they were behaving anymore. And... Um, and also, if I had two teams that really, really did good and both deserved the maximum prize, I found that I was bound to only reward one of them. And I, right. didn't, I didn't like that. So what I did is we took away the points altogether. And what we do is we have just three balloons for each street. And I quoted the rhyme earlier, so I won't go through it again. But each team is judged on their own merits. Similar to what, the, what we're doing with the Junior Jammers with the clips is at any time, uh, each balloon is tied to a prize, and they know that if they got three balloons, they're going to get three prizes. If they, they get a, a super cash to use in our superstore, they get a basic candy prize, and then I call it a premium candy prize, which is just a little little better than like the Tootsie Roll mix. And if they lose one balloon, they lose that premium prize, but they still get two more. And then if they lose two balloons and, and one balloon, or if they get none, and then... um so that that gets them, you know, just competition with themselves. And if two teams do great, if they all do great, then they all get rewarded. And it seems a little more fair. But then I have the trophy of spam, which is separate. And we do something called honor points. And they get points for winning games and for answering questions and things like that. And it's totally based on good behavior. So the best behaving team is going to get that trophy, but it doesn't affect their um, prizes at all. Now, if they lose balloons, they lose an honor point. And you can't earn the trophy of spam if you have lost a balloon. And so there, it does kind of tie in, but it takes yeah. the competition out of it. I didn't want to coat totally. I don't agree with this thing about how we'd never have competition at all. 
Right. So I kind of found I found the balance there because there is a friendly competition with the trophy of spam, but each team is judged on their own merit and not against other teams for their behavior and so uh, for their prizes. And so that works out really, really good. Um, good. And yeah, it, it just seems to. Uh, <coughs> anyway, the keys of discipline in a nutshell is a relationship. Um, being prepared ahead of time, you got to own that classroom. If yep. if those kids have a plan get, for them, or they'll have a plan for exactly. you. Exactly. If you if you are not the first one there, and they are, they own the room and they win. So have something for them to do. Have that room set up. Have the chairs straightened. You know, if that room looks just like it did last week when they walked out, they're going to know they own that room. Um, you have to have something that is interesting. I I, I mentioned this with my ADD kids and my parents. Um, they say they have attention deficit disorder, but I've seen ADD kids sit and play video games for hours, you know, sure, without sure. getting up. And so apparently it's not really an attention deficit issue. It's an interest level issue. And I found that I can supersede attention deficit disorder if I've got something interesting going on on that stage. Right. And and some interesting activity, something that they like, and so you know, strive to get to know your kids again. That that relationship is going to help that out a lot. Uh, you got to have your standards, and you have to have rewards and consequences. So uh, that's that's pretty much all I have in a nutshell. That was a lot of academic stuff. I know this is a children's children's ministry podcast for for people down in the trenches, but. Um, I didn't want to get real specific on how, you know, the rules you need because only you know that. You could be inner city exactly. like me. You could be suburban like, like Dave, but the, the, the kids all work basically the same. They, they all, do. they all respond to rewards and they all respond to consequences. Um, but you have and to have a plan for both. And basically, whatever you do, just be consistent. Exactly. Yep. Find what works and do it. I mean, there's always going to be those situations, as we mentioned, with those kids that you have to, you know, do one-on-one. But, uh, you know, you have to create a structure just for them. Speaking of which, that that little girl, man, I had a little girl, a little redheaded girl. She'd come Mm -hmm. in, I mentioned her earlier, she'd come in on the buses, no no parental involvement as far as she didn't go to the church. The parents weren't involved. They just put the kid on the bus and went. Um and I had just come to my end of my rope. I had talked to her. I had loved on her. She knew I cared about her. She responded only to me. I mean, we had a relationship, but she still just couldn't pull it together. Mm-hmm. And I, I was writing in my journal and stuff and talking about, you know, talking to God is how, how I cannot minister to this girl at church. I just can't do it. She won't behave. I can't teach her anything. I can't even love on her anymore because she's just, she was so bad. She would, She's the kind of kid, she'd go up to a young kid, take something from them, and then just watch, you know, the reaction and just get joy out of hurting yeah. or, or, or you know, robbing from other kids. So anyway, God just really got me and said, James, you know what? You're right. There is nothing you can do for her inside the church. And immediately I got what he was saying. I picked up the phone and I called her mom and I said, can I go eat lunch with your daughter at her school? And that mom just fell to pieces. She thought it was the awesome thing in the world. She called the school, got permission. I went down and ate with the with the little girl, and 
I mean, the principal came by and spoke to me. Her teacher came by. I learned that she was the most, she won the award for the most improved student that quarter or that semester. And um, her other teachers were pointing out these desks that they have to sit in when they're bad and how she hadn't had to sit in one for like three months. And, and just, you know, this little girl got to sit there. She hardly even talked. All her friends were talking my head off, but uh, she got to sit there as all these people came and praised her to me and and told me how good she was. And I'm telling you, dude, it changed everything um, because from then on, I was I was in her life, and we, yep. we took her to kids camp, and she had a blast, and awesome. um, and it was just it was really what 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 we needed to do for her. But again, it was that relationship. It was breaking out of those walls and finding you you know you'd mentioned the currency concept. Um, we need to find out what what makes that kid tick. I, I many of us aren't fans of uh, the uh, oh, what's it called? The uh, come on, the I don't know. What's the movie with the that every that Jesus was married in uh, supposedly? Um, the the <laughs> help me out. Oh, you the know, Passion of the Christ, Jesus no, Christ Superstar. No, 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 no. It's no. uh, <laughs> it's the one the movie that came out. It was a book and and. Uh, the uh, <laughs> is about the painting and all that kind of stuff. I'm totally drawing a blank. I have no clue. Oh man, it was about it wasn't Darwin. It was oh goodness. Well, anyway, in that movie with Tom Hanks and some other girl, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff we don't agree with, but there was this idea of a cryptex, and it was something that somebody could create that the if, Da Vinci Code. Yes, thank you, You're thank welcome. you. The Da Vinci Code. There was a cryptex, and it was a sphere or a, or a cylinder. That if you if you found the right combination, you you could open it up and there was a message inside, but you couldn't just smash it open because there was a vial in there of yes. some sort of acid that if you broke it, it would break that and it would destroy the message. And that is a perfect example of the way our kids are. Some people try to just bust in there, uh, hell's bells, and and just you know they end up destroying any chance they have of finding out what makes that kid special. But if you can, if you can find, take the time and find the combination to that kid's heart, they will open up for you. And that's when you can start, uh, uh, disciplining them properly, discipling them. So, uh, and you've challenged me to really take, take talking about the little girl to take this, uh, my problem kid and, uh, take it to our relationship to the next level. There you go. You know, and just, you know, take it outside the four walls of the church and, and see what happens. I'll tell you, you, you know, drive by that girl's house and just see where she comes from. Um, you know, go inside and ask to see her room, you know. I mean, you know, don't surprise them or anything. But I'm telling right. you, when you know where they're coming from, it explains a whole lot. Yep. It really does. I mean, because you don't know. You don't know. Sounds like you got one of my kids, actually. Yeah. But um, that that pretty much wraps us up this, this month. It's um, – I had fun. I talked the whole time, but uh, that's fine. Discipline's something I'm passionate about. Next yeah, month, next that's month, something I need help with. So, oh, okay. I learned a lot. Thank you. <laughs> I'll send you my notes. I'll send you my notes. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you guys would like those, you know, just email us and I'll send you my notes. There's a lot more stuff on here, um, especially uh, I've got some stuff on bad quote-unquote bad kids, the troubled child, what kind of leader we should be. Um, and I compare them to different kinds of clowns, uh, the different types of leaders that are out there. Um, but next month we're going to oh, – oh, oh, wait. Before we get there, we, we're supposed to issue a monthly challenge. 
So, uh, dun, 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 monthly dun, dun, challenge. Dun. So, what, what do you want to challenge people to do this month with, with our topic? Well, I know what my monthly challenge is. Okay. It's just what I talked about is, is getting in the life of this kid who, who keeps causing problems and, and, and seeing what I can do. So, just doing some research. Just take and- that relationship to the next level, you know, go deeper and find out. Obviously, I haven't found his currency and it's been two years, mm. you know, and that's, that's sad, you know, to think that. You know, I've I've not wasted two years with him, but you know, just he's so bright. He's so bright, James, and that's it. Breaks my heart to to look five, ten years in his future and see right. where he's going to be if these kinds of things continue. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and I know it's not my job, and it's it's not a hundred percent up to me right. to fix this kid. I can't fix him. Only only God and his parents can do that. But I've got to do my part, and I'm not doing enough. So there's there's my challenge. Right. So well, I'll just say if, if if you've got kids like that in your ministry, to uh, to step it up and and see what'll happen. Let me just say this. Our, our and I, I'm surprised I didn't hit this earlier. Is discipline in a nutshell? Godly discipline. I can summarize it just like this. It's not the point of discipline is not to make a kid behave. Uh, because that's very selfish. That's just for us. We want them to shut up, sit down, so we can feel like we taught them something. The goal of discipline right. is to make a child more like Christ. Right. And so do that. That's my challenge for you this this month is is go through, review your rules and your standards for your kids. Do they do they cause kids to just behave, or are they actually making them more like Christ? Are you are you just correcting them? Or are you directing them a different way? Um, you know, are, are your rules available? Are they visual? Can you see them? Are you reviewing them weekly? And are you enforcing them? That's that's pretty much a big old challenge. But getting the lives of your kids, that's what David's saying, especially your problem, you know, kids, your high needs kids. And uh, I'm just challenging you to review everything you're doing through the filter of, is this just for me or is this making my my children more like Christ? That's good. All right. Next month, we're going to be touching on creative teaching methods. That's a broad category. So I'd imagine that would hit on different ways of doing Bible stories, object lessons, illusions, just different things that we've done. Uh, probably we'll touch on some holiday you know, stuff that we've done. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I kind of dread holiday services because it puts yeah, you in too. a box, you know? It does. And you want yeah, to do sometimes something. Sometimes I ignore them. And just do what I want to do. I do that with Mother's Day, Father's Day, and all those. But Christmas and Easter, you know, I still dread them um, unless I've got something really good. So we'd love to get your input, though. Um, You can email us at seeamonthly at gmail.com and tell us some things that you've done. What are your creative tips? Uh, You can call us and leave a voicemail at 206-350-HOWL. That's 4695 for those of you that can't spell. Um, And then uh, get on our website at seeamonthly.com. And uh, tell somebody, tell somebody that that is out there in in the children's ministry world that you found a podcast that's down on their level. And uh, if you feel like it, go to iTunes, look us up, and leave us a review. And uh, we haven't had one yet. You could be the first. That'd be awesome. Do we have like a prize that we could give somebody? No, you know, that's like the big no-no in podcasting, (laughs) is if you bribe people to give you reviews, then you cheated. And uh, I've seen you pod- found out the hard way. Didn't no, you? no, no. I I found out through somebody else. A friend of mine did that, and th- and their podcast went down. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of haters out there on the internet. Mm. 
So anyway, Dave, we did it in spite of my bronchitis or my bronchial infection or whatever's going on in my voice. I'm going to have to go back and edit the mess out of this thing to get all my coughs out. But thanks for being with me today, dude. Thank you for having me. I had such a good time. And, and again, I learned a ton. And uh, I'm looking forward to next month and, and getting to share our the differences in, 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 our, in our creative teaching methods. Yeah. It's going to be a, a fun week. Excellent. A fun one. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. All right. Well, uh, again, call us and email us. Don't leave us hanging. This show is only going to be two-thirds as good as it would have been if you don't participate. So till next time, I'm James. And I'm Dave. And this is Children's Ministry Monthly Podcast. Be blessed. Be filled. Love your guts. Be gone. Bye. Bye. If you have any tips, questions, or input of any kind, you can email that to cmmonthly at gmail.com, or you can call the Howl line at 206-350-HOWL. That's 4695 for those of you that don't know how to do the number-to-letter conversion. We'll see you next month. Bye.